Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Today I'm speaking with Jeff Mazeo. Jeff is the Vice President of Marketing at Waters Corporation. Jeff, thanks for joining me on Life Science Marketing Radio. Chris, it's my pleasure. Really looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. Uh, so I want to talk about a shift in marketing that a lot of companies are undertaking, and I know you are as well, and I want to talk about how you think about it from an execution standpoint. So Waters, as most people know, has been very much a technology company in the past, chromatography, mass spectrometry, consumables, and informatics. And so technology is what you focused on, probably what you talked about, and now you're shifting to be more customer-oriented in your marketing and focusing on specific markets and applications. So first of all, what's driving that shift? I think the, big, the biggest driver for that shift is that our, our customers uh, are changing and have changed. And what I mean by that is, you know, five, ten years ago, the people who purchased and used our products, you know, tended to be experts uh, on some level in the technology, kind of, kind of like we are. So we, we didn't need to spend a lot of time demonstrating the benefits to them of having a mass spectrometer with higher sensitivity or a liquid chromatograph, they could do much faster separations um, because they could, they could get it. And, you know, they, were, they were chromatographers and mass, spectrometer, mass spectrometrists themselves. So what, what we're hearing now from our customers, first of all, is they're not experts in tech, any given technology. They're kind of more general uh, experts that need to know a lot of different analytical technologies. And secondarily, um, they don't care as much about the solution itself. They care about the answer that it provides. So for them, it's, everything is becoming much more motivated by how an investment in, in technology from, from a company like Waters will improve their business's uh, financial results, you know, get them more revenue, reduce their costs, improve their asset utilizations. So that's, that's probably the most fundamental change that's occurred in our customer base that's driving us to move from a technology focus to more of a focus on what are the, what's the solution that the customer needs to, uh, to meet their business challenges. Right. So I'm just thinking about this in the broader context of life sciences. And so my background, um, for people who don't know, mass spectrometry and chromatography at Thermo and Agilent and Varian. Um, so that's your an, the analytical market where now people are being asked to create all kinds of analytical results and and that's and and pr- producing answers on a scale that some life scientists might not appreciate, right? Well, absolutely. I think I think there's two things. Number one, the amount of samples that they need to to analyze is only going one direction, and that's up. And secondarily, secondarily, the complexity of the samples that they're trying to analyze is also going up. So what that means is they, A, can't get everything done necessarily with one analytical technique. They need to use a variety of techniques. So for example, if you think about something like a a protein therapeutic, incredibly complex, large, heterogeneous uh, mixture of similar structures, um, certainly our technology plays a critical role in helping to characterize those molecules. But in and of itself, it's, it's not enough. You need to supplement it with other technologies. 
So because of that, you know, they, they need to know a lot of different analytical techniques, not necessarily just, just one, uh, like chromatography and MS. Um, and as I said, similarly, because they've got to get, get more samples done, there's, you know, there's a much harder demand to analyze these complex samples. Uh, that's also driving them to really focus on getting the job done. Right. I've seen companies um, try to do this with two layers. So they have a product manager focused on the technology and, and what their customers want, and then market managers who you know, are trying to um, bring that technology into a very focused market area. What types of things are you doing to become more customer-focused, and how is your approach maybe different than this two-layer product market manager approach first off i'd say is uh what, what we're doing on the uh we, we like to call them market segments in the waters we really have four main market segments that we focus on uh our, our largest market segment is the, is the broader pharmaceutical industry both small molecule large molecule innovators generics and increasingly the uh, cxo organizations uh that support that industry um, the other industries or segments that we serve are the uh, health sciences, and by that we, we define it as everything from things like biomarker discovery and the omics technologies all the way through to uh, in vitro diagnostic tests. Third area would be food and environmental, uh, which is an important growth area for us as, as food becomes more regulated um, and there's a need to test for things like pesticides, et cetera. And then the fourth is a, is a relatively broad market segment that we call chemical materials, which includes everything from, you know, fine and specialty chemicals all the way through end products like, for example, cosmetics, uh, electronics devices, or the automotive industry, et cetera. So we, um, we've recently organized um, four main market segment groups whose, whose task is to really focus on those areas, understand the customer's needs, feed that back into the development organization so that we can build the products to meet those needs, but also then market our existing products uh, to those industries. But the other thing that we have, which is kind of similar to the model that you suggest, is because Waters is, historically anyway, has been very focused on specific technologies, um, we have to be careful about not building all kinds of different systems for the four different markets. So we need to understand what the differences are between the four but we also just as importantly need to understand what the commonality is. So what we've done there is we've actually just built a new organization that we call product marketing. And the way that we're trying to do things is we're starting with the market segments where they feed their market needs into this product marketing team. The product marketing team aggregates those needs, looks for, looks for commonality, especially at the hardware level, at the LC system and the MS system level. Um, and then uh, also determines from that, okay, what are the priority systems that we need to build uh, in the development organization? And the way that we tailor them for the specific four market segments is primarily through things like software, where a lot of times the software is common for the control of the instrument, but what really counts is how you process the data, how you report and aggregate the data, uh, as well as the consumables that are used on that system. So, for example, in something like a polymers in the chemical materials area, you know, we have GPC columns to characterize those, where for a protein biopharmaceutical, we have things like size exclusion columns uh, to characterize those types of molecules. But at least fundamentally at the hardware level, uh, there's a lot of commonality across the markets uh, that we try to leverage uh, with our core technology. 
Yeah, you answered. Uh, you just answered the question I was going to think about because so you had, if you had four market groups feeding information into your product development group, now they have four different kinds of customers that they're trying to please, and it's probably not realistic for them to develop four completely different sets of hardware. When, yeah, when, it's yeah, absolutely true. I think. You know, I, I certainly wouldn't rule out the possibility that in, in a given market segment, there may be an opportunity that's large enough that we would develop a system just for that segment. But the, the more common situation is we, we can find when we look across these four segments, areas where there is a tremendous amount of overlap, especially at the hardware level. And it's those systems that we want to build because, you know, building a system is, um, you know, the investment that's required to do that and the time horizon is longer than, for example, something like a consumable or a new piece of software. So it's at the hardware level where we really want to make sure that we're building the systems that are going to have the most impact across all four segments. Right. And so what we've, what we've tried to do is, even though the segments are different in terms of what the end businesses are, what they're trying to achieve, many times the analytical questions that the customers have are, are very similar. So we've started to work with a segmentation model that allows us to describe things across the four market segments in, in somewhat um, generic ways so that um, when, we, when we do that segmentation and we aggregate, we can find commonalities for, for example, quantitation of a small molecule at a trace level in a food area uh, versus uh, something in a diagnostic area. Fundamentally, the, a lot of the core hardware is, is going to be the same and as I said before, it's really just the uh, the application that we wrap around it, the software, and potentially some of the consumables that'll be different. You've gotten into to my next question, I think, but let me try this. So we're going to talk about how do you make this change, this shift to uh, more customer-focused marketing happen from a product solution standpoint. So what are you doing to optimize those solutions that are going to each of those different markets and how is that making you change what and how you communicate to your customers? So I think, um, so, so one of the things that we're trying to do is we, we have a, we have a very, very large group of uh, what I'll call application scientists that really the, that group of people is, is very intimate with what the customers in different market segments are trying to achieve from a, from a uh, analytical standpoint. And what we've done most recently is we've really, those, those people play a critical role in the marketing of our products because they take them and they show how they can be used uh, in a given market segment. So, for example, we have application scientists that have expertise in trace analysis of, of uh, you know, things that might be in a food product. Um, and, and we use them to take our solutions and show a customer in the food industry how it can be used for that and, and the same for the other market segments. That's something that we've kind of always done really well historically. What I think we've changed recently, though, is we actually now have put that group much closer into the product development area. And the reason being is that what we want to ensure is that as we're developing these products, we don't want to wait until they're, until they're completed to start to test them with what I'll call real-world samples. You know, we really want to get feedback from the products in development uh, as they go through the various stages of development from these application scientists. How are they working? Are they going to have the requisite sensitivity requirements? Are they going to have, um, you know, the accessibility that, you know, is going to make them be more broadly deployable than in an expert environment? 
Um, I think the other thing that we've done is, as we try to focus more on complete solutions, historically our, our four product areas is, have you know, certainly worked together, but they were kind of you know, run somewhat independently. And in many ways, they were judged primarily based on um, how they performed in their particular technology area. What we've also done recently is we've now grouped all of those technologies. So I'm talking about chromatography, mass spectrometry, consumables, and informatics. We've grouped all of those under one, uh, one leader now. And we're trying to get them to start thinking about the overall solution, um, not just the individual pieces of technology that go into fit a, to fit a solution. And so we've, we've really bought on to this whole concept of transformational engineering, which is how we try to focus on what's the system going to behave, how is it going to behave in a customer's hands to really ensure that we've thought about how all the pieces fit together to give them that best customer experience and make them successful uh, as quickly as possible when they invest in one of our systems. I like it. All right, here comes the big question. Um, and you've hinted at this a little bit, that how do you manage this from a people perspective? So it's not a new idea, but the fact that we're talking about it means it's not as easy that a little shift in the organization as flipping a switch. So what's the secret sauce to getting folks who have been doing something one way for a long time to now think in a new way about how they develop those solutions? Yeah, it's, it's a great question because you know what they say about uh, strategy versus culture. You know, you can definitely have a strategy that says we're going to focus on market segments, we're going to focus on solutions. But if you have a culture that's very much based on the individual technology areas, you know, it can be a real challenge to, uh, to make that change. So it's, it, it's a great question and certainly one that we are diligently working on. I think there's a lot of ways you could approach it. I think the way we're approaching it is that the reality is, in some cases in our recent past, we actually have done this. Maybe we weren't conscious, consciously aware of the fact that we were doing this, but we actually were doing this. And what I mean by that is there are a couple market segments where in the past we had a real champion who said, you know, I really want to deliver to my customer a complete solution with everything that's required for them um, to, to get the answers they need. And they were able to make the case to the various technology centers that, you know, give me these pieces for the greater good. We actually have two examples from our past where we have shown that if we do this, we can be very successful in the market, we can improve our market share, um, and we can really increase our standing within that given segment. So one of the things that we're doing is we're, we're really using those as saying, hey, this, is, this may seem like a new thing, but it's really not. We've actually uh, done this before. And I think that the other thing that we're, we're trying to do is use the Cotter uh, change process, the, the eight different stages. And obviously, stage one is to create that sense of urgency. And the reality is what, what we're showing people is that you know, when we talk to customers today, that's the feedback that we get from them, as I was telling you before, is it's not about I want to get more mass spec resolution or I want to have a LC you know, with this type of uh, cycle time. It's all about, hey, I need to analyze a million compounds in this, in this chemical library, and I need to do it in two months. Um, how am I going to do that? And if you start getting the developers to think in those terms as opposed to, as opposed to making a better mousetrap, it really causes them to think about, all right, I need to think much more broadly about how everything is going to fit together in the customer's world um, to be successful. I would say the other thing that we're doing is we're really relying on our uh, field organizations, so our salespeople, uh, but just as importantly, our service people. 
And the service people are the ones who, when a customer buys a system from us, they're the ones that go in and install it. They train the customer, et cetera. And, and again, a lot of this feedback about the changes our customer base uh, is, is seeing in terms of non-experts and really just trying to get an answer. Um, the, the sales force and the, and the service force have been telling this now, now for many years. So we're using them to come in and give us that feedback, saying, hey, this is what the customers want. This is what I see every day. So it's, it's certainly not an easy task. You probably need to use multiple ways to make that change. You need to celebrate the early wins. Uh, but as I said, in our case, you also can probably find cases in, in your past where you, you've done it without consciously being aware that you did. Yeah, I like those uh, the examples you gave and how, um, you know, in one case, it's a particular person who was a champion. And uh, I'm just looking at the bigger picture from my perspective. It, You know, there's a chance to do something. It is new and maybe it's a shift and you can see where you've had some successes, but it's also, I think, a new and different, interesting challenge for those people in development to say, oh, now I really know what the customer's trying to do. And they're, I'm sure they're all smart and thinking people. So now they're going, oh, I, I want to help solve that problem. And that's because I think all those scientists, like most of us, they want to be continually learning. So now they're saying, well, how do I analyze a million compounds in two months? That's a exactly. cool thing. So Exactly. Yeah, the other term that we use a lot of, and this is something that you can, you can read a lot about in the, uh, in the world of innovation, is something that we call customer-centric innovation, which is really doing exactly what you just said, which, you know, here's the customer's problem. This is what they're trying to achieve. Think about how to innovate either our technology or how to bring in technology that's, that's maybe not part of our core competency, but that, that, that's adjacent that we could bring together in a way that can help solve that problem. Uh, and again, having champions in the research organization, um, you know, really, really helps with that because as I said, historically, a lot of the, the research and, and development of new products that we did was based on the fact that we're experts in our technology. And it's always easy to think about, how to make things faster, how to things, make things with more sensitive, sensitivity. You know, that's, that's a very, that's what I'll call incremental innovation. But what we're finding now is the way you can only really get what I'll call transformational innovation is you really have to make it focused around what are the customer problems that we're trying to achieve. And that just really creates you to have much broader uh, thinking about what you're going to design into a, uh, into a new solution. Do you know... Um this is an, a little bit of an aside. Uh, this guy named Shane Snow, have you heard of him? I have heard the name, yes. I would recommend you and everybody listening to this, check him out. So he, I just listened to a podcast from him this morning um, on the James Altucher Show. I'll put a link to that in the, in the show notes. But he has a book called Smart Cuts, but it's really about lateral thinking. And then he has another book coming up in a year, but he talked about it a little bit, about where breakthroughs come from. When you're really changing something, it comes from two different perspectives coming together. It's not that incremental change. It's the really big changes come from you know two different ideas that someone figures out how to combine and make something work very you know much differently so yeah you know it's funny i actually read a quote on that um from um steve jobs actually who talked about the fact that you know there's really not necessarily a lot of new specific ideas it's more about taking different ideas and different concepts and bringing them together um, in a, in a unique way to really transform things. And of course you got all the Apple examples, like things like the iPhone. 
where a lot of those components existed, but it was the way that they brought them together and, and the user experience that made it such a phenomenal innovation. Yeah, it's just fun, inspiring stuff to think of. I mean, it's challenging, but it's it's worth putting in the back of your head. All right, last question. Imagine you are the VP of marketing at a really new company. And so by definition, most young companies, they aren't going into old technology. They're selling a new technology to early adopters. Would you pick a single market or would you focus on your technology in many markets to find out you know, where the uptake was the best? That's a great question. I think, um, I think I would probably start with more of a shotgun approach and, you know, with uh, obviously an informed shotgun approach. And what I mean by that is to really look for a lot of different opportunities, but I would, um, I I would really, then once I find some, some hits as I'll, I'll call them, um, I would really focus my energy on those, those hits that I found early. I, I think, I think sometimes, um, if you go too soon into a, you know, really focused area with something that's a new technology, you may, you know, invest a lot of time and energy in an area that has an impact, but not as much as if it could have been somewhere else. Um, I think the other thing that I would do is, um, if it was a small company, depending upon the value of the technology or the cost of the technology, you know, I might also try to pick some key thought leaders in different industries and give them access to the technology and get them to think about, Hey, how, how much you use something like this um, in your industry to solve a problem um, as a way to kind of accelerate the finding of, you know, what is, what is the, you know, one to two industries where it's going to have the most success. Yeah, I, I don't think I had a right answer in mind, but I, I see similar ideas around that approach about finding, you know, finding the audience and um, and being open to ways of using it that you weren't thinking of when you built that technology, for example. So, absolutely, I like that. Well, Jeff Mazeo, this is um, this has been a fantastic episode. I really appreciate you taking the time to share this this information, I think a lot of people are going to find really valuable because I know a lot of companies I'm sure are struggling with this very same thing. Everybody's trying to be more customer focused, but it's not an easy thing to do. And yours is, I'm sure, an inspiring example for the others. Chris, it's been my pleasure. I really appreciate the opportunity and uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Thanks very much. Excellent. Did I tell you? I did. I told you this was going to be a good one, and it was. So thank you, Hillary Hewitson, for setting this up by introducing me to Jeff. I really appreciate that. Hey, if you want more great marketing and sales insights, you need to sign up for the ACPLS annual meeting. It starts three weeks from now on October 25th in Boston. I'm not going to give you the spiel. You've heard it before. Go to acp-ls.org. Click the link that says annual meeting and sign up now. Next thing, I have a new offer around audio content. You get it because you're a podcast listener. Other people are listening to podcasts and the numbers are growing. You get it because it's a powerful, engaging way to deliver a message and create an affinity for your brand. It also happens to be really easy to repurpose into transcripts and then turning those into articles, particularly around events. I did this for a client. I went 
to an event, recorded all their subject matter experts around a story and their keynotes, which tells a complete story to expand the life of this event throughout the year. If you're interested in something like that, send me an email, chris at lifesciencemarketingradio.com. And finally, thank you so much for listening. Help me keep this thing rolling. Please tell two friends and I will talk to you in a couple weeks. Bye-bye.